everybody and welcome to another podcast episode of Career Diaries by Elemed, the podcast dedicated to talking about careers in the medtech industry. And we are back on International Podcast Day with an absolutely amazing episode. I'm really humbled and honoured to have on the show today, Liam Turley, CEO of Trinzo. Liam, welcome. Thank you, Elena. I'm delighted to be here. I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more about your story and really getting into it. But for those of those of the people that listen who don't know who you are, although I'm sure that there's only a few out there who don't know who you are, can you maybe mention a few words, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Liam Turley. I'm the CEO of Trinzo. So we're a, a device, medical device consulting company. We help clients with their regulatory quality challenges. Um, so we've, uh, we've been a company for just over five years um, we're headquarters in uh, in Galway, Ireland. Really nice. And um, so five years old. Yeah, we just we started in January of 2016. So we did. Yeah, just five yeah. years old. Exciting. And and I, I know that there's some major movements that have happened this year in terms of the company. Yeah, look at over the last year, look at we've grown organically by about 25 percent, which is fantastic. We've doubled our workforce. Um, and then we also had a recent acquisition where we acquired a company called MedDev Solutions. Mm-hmm. So they've uh, they've joined the team now just over a month ago. And I suppose that acquisition was was strategic in nature. What we decided to do is kind of increase our regulatory expertise, but also that training element that we think clients are looking for is uh, is now a strength of ours as well. Really interesting. And, and let's get into let's get into talking a little bit about Trinzo and the future for Trinzo in a bit but I'm really interested to talk about this topic because when I approached you about the podcast and I sort of said to you you know what should we talk about the one thing that was it really seemed to feel personal to you was this idea of resilience and mental toughness yeah it is it's something that I've, I've studied a lot and probably um, had a need for it both in my say sporting career and my uh, professional career as well I suppose my story of resilience really started maybe in, in February. Actually, I'll tell you the exact date. It was the 16th of February, uh, 2015. Um, a very important day. It's my wedding anniversary, but it was also the first time I was ever made redundant. Wow. So, yeah, so that was kind of traumatic. And, um, you know, the company I was with, they treated me very respectfully. You know, they look after you very, very well financially. Um, it was as a result of, a, of an acquisition itself where one company had bought the other company. Uh-huh. Um, so look at that, 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 that really tested my resilience because, you know, I, I remember the day very, very clearly. I remember the process. I remember coming home to my family. Um, I suspected this might happen because it often happens with big reorgs. I remember walking into my kitchen and explaining to my wife that I no longer had a job. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for some people, they, they simply don't recover. You know, I have a, a couple of colleagues of mine who are also made redundant, and they found it very, very difficult to kind of bounce back. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, my resilience was really tested in terms of um, how my ability to kind of bounce back from that, that event. So let's, let's, let's go back even more. So, so yeah. tell us a little bit about sort of where your career started and, and, and your journey into medical devices. Yeah, so my, my background education, I'm a microbiologist by, uh, by education. And then I also did an MSc or a master's in biotechnology and then trained as a QP as well. So all of my background, um, education-wise, was, was in science. Um, I always had a, an interest in science as a, as, a, as a kid. I remember blowing things up in test tubes and dissecting frogs and all those sort of fun things. Um, 
I had a habit of taking things apart at home, not being able to kind of put them back together. So, so I, I always had a kind of a curious mindset. Um, and actually, I was lucky to have really good teachers, mentors in the science area. My first job then straight out of college was with, uh, was with a medical company called Hygia. They were based in Galway. And I worked on veterinary medical products, but also animal vaccines. Um, I suppose that gave me um, an into the industry. I got to work with the IMB at the time, who are now the HBRA. Okay. Um, and then I trained as a, as a lead assessor for ISO um, 13485 as well. Um, and I just had a natural curiosity. And I also really liked reading the regulations and understanding the regulations, something that most people hate. I really enjoyed it, I have to say. What is it about? So that's really interesting because um, I, I speak to I spend my whole day speaking to people in regulatory yeah. and uh, I'm um, I'm it's, it's really interesting to see people become so passionate. And I've been in in conferences, you know, where there's been big debates about the medical device regulation. And, um, you know, then you, then you talk to CEOs of companies and they're sort of like what do regulatory affairs do again, you know, like, and, and I just think it's so interesting that, um, you know, that, that I really see true passion in, in, in people about sort of regulatory and what that can do for companies. And I'm not, I don't see people sort of like talking enough about, you know, regulatory as a career and, and actually um, the value that it adds to, to a company for you, sort of looking at it you know having worked in 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 this area now basically your whole career um and I know we're going off on a little bit of a tangent but this is a, a plug for anybody wanting to go into regulatory affairs what would you say are the main draws to the industry yeah look at I think if, if someone has got a good eye for detail and then are passionate about the products I think regulatory affairs is a fantastic uh, career choice or quality I, I link them hand in hand um, yeah, but really in this industry, you get to kind of work with novel products, really life-changing products. Um, and what you do is you, you help clients navigate the pathways to getting these products available for access to patients. And, you know, we're, we're privileged to work with some of the best medical device companies in the world with some of the most innovative products. And I suppose for me, there's a personal story behind this as well, because uh, my dad, who a, is a very, very healthy 85-year-old who golfs twice, twice a week, um, when he was in his early 70s, um, he, he, he couldn't walk. Um, his back had kind of collapsed in the lower part of his back, so he couldn't straighten his back. I remember thinking back that, you know, he looked like my granny who was in, she lived to be in her 90s, but he was bent over, not mobile. Um, he went in and he got two brand new knees. Um, they put a plate in his back and you know, while you often think of devices like, say, knee implants or, or plates as kind of non-life uh, changing or, or life sustaining, they are because he, he would have not been able to exercise. He wouldn't have been able to socialize. So there's, there's hidden benefits to some of these products that, you know, really energize and, and, and charge me. So when I see new novel products going out there, I, I just get so excited by it because I know the impact they can have on patients. Yeah, and I think it's it's really, I mean, it's that it's such a privilege to see as well, right? To be in an yeah. industry where, or to be in a role where you can directly see the impact or the fruits of your labour, right? And yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking to people, I mean, this is this is clearly one of the the key drivers for you in the in, you know to to be in this in this role in this role. And I see that a lot, you know, talking to people. Everybody's got their own sort of personal story, personal connection to why they do what they do, and um, it's fascinating to hear 
to hear yeah. that. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, that's a special story because like it's, it's, um, my dad was, was a builder. He worked with his hands all his life and to see him, you know, change in, in terms of the shape of his body, his, his movements, his interaction with people and to get the products that, that just were, were life changing really for him. It was, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, uh, my mom is hearing aids as well, which, um, are life altering as well, because, you know, as, as we all get older, we're all going to need, um, these products one day, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be on the side of understanding how they're designed, how they work, how safe they are, you know, how reliable they are, you know, so it's, it's great to work in this industry. I love it. A blessing and a curse though, right? Like being, <laughs> being able to understand all the details around all of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think, look, what you need, it takes a certain way to be wired to, to get into the regulatory quality space. You know, it, it does take somebody who's got a, a good level of attention to detail, you know, and I think, you know, uh, have, a, have that curiosity, have that interest, you know what I mean? And I think um, for individuals that, that are wired that way, I think it's, it's a fantastic uh, uh, career path, I think. So going back to your um, to your your career story, so you were working um, in the in the veterinary company. You had the chance to then get trained as a, as a as an auditor. Did you say? Auditor? I did. Yeah, as a lead yeah. assessor for thirteen forty five. I did. Yeah. And then from there, what happened? Yeah, look at like you know that I was in my early twenties and all I really cared about was sport. So I um, career wasn't really a priority for me at that stage um, until I got an injury. Actually, I, I did my ACL. Um, on my right knee, um, ended up getting that repaired. But, you know, when, when sports stopped, then I, I suddenly turned my interest to, uh, to work. Um, and I was very fortunate to get a role as a technical quality manager with a, with a pharmaceutical company in the south of Ireland. Um, I worked with them for just over three and a half years. So my career really started with small companies. And mm-hmm. that's something that I, I, I think was a good career choice for me because you got to see the breadth of how companies operated. Um, I got to understand not just my own key area, but also wider areas within a business and how it works. Um, and around, you know, roughly around 2000, then I, I joined uh, Tyco Healthcare, who later became Covidian. So that was my first entry into, say, the large multinationals. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate to get a, a promotion. I spent two years in the Netherlands and Holland uh, working with a radio pharmaceutical company, a nuclear medical um, site. They manufactured devices and pharmaceutical products as well. Um, and around that time, then the drug coated stent was the rock star of medical devices, I suppose, in the in the early 2000s. And I was kind of headhunted by Medtronic to come back and lead their drug coated stent project. Um, mainly because of my background in pharmaceuticals and devices. So, so at that time, there was very little guidance. You know what I mean? You had to make the guidance up. So I was fortunate that my love of the regulations meant that I was able to kind of figure out, you know, how do you combine CFR 21, Part 820 and 210, 211, which are the drug regs, and what were the relevant sections? So those combo regs have only recently been written and, and published by FDA. But back then, you had to kind of use your, your intuition your knowledge to kind of develop, we'd say a hybrid quality system and regulatory pathway as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent three and a half years with, um, with Medtronic and then, um, then went back to Covidian where I took on a global role. Um, I ended up managing sites in, in France, in the US and Mexico, and actually spent a year in California in, in a wonderful place called uh, Newport Beach. 
Um, it sounds lovely and it is lovely. So I, I managed a kind of an integration of a site, actually a ventilation site that we bought um, over there. Um, yeah, and, and look at that, that, that really took me up to uh, the point where I, you know, Trinza was formed back in 2016, early 2016. So, so obviously sort of worked your way up, got headhunted, got promoted, took on more and more responsibility, started to get really embedded into, into the organisation where you were working, and then boom, out of nowhere, this, um, this redundancy came? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, because I, I probably suspected that it was coming, because okay. it, it, it often happens, you know what I mean? So I was mentally uh, prepared for it. Okay. Um, and I suppose I suppose one thing in my career, I think, and, I, and I, you know, it's advice to anybody in careers is, you know, I had always built up very strong relationships. And I think that relationship building in careers is really, really important because it, it is a small industry. And often what happened to me is, it, you know, promotions came about through, you know, strong performance, but also the, the how you do things and that relationship building is really important as well, I feel. So, so when you say the how you do things, what do you mean by that? So some people are very strong, say technically. So that's what you do, but mm. but the how um, of what you do, I think, is 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 really important as well. Um, you know, good communication. You know, um, a, a collaborative environment. So you know, I think often technical roles tend to focus more on the what, um, but what's equally important as you progress is is the how you do it as well. Mm. So refreshing to hear you say that because you know that was the whole reason why we created Elements Mentoring Academy. That was really the the, the big kind of push factor behind. There's there's so much training out there um, for professionals in regulatory and quality to get more technical skills and to learn more about you know uh, standards, regulations, requirements. Um, but actually, what we see very often in recruitment, um, especially as you start to recruit sort of director level, you know, senior managers to director and director to VP. The thing that really matters are the softer skills that it's not so much about sort of like the details of what you know, but it's more about how you communicate certain things, how you influence, how you relationship build, how you talk to people outside of your area of expertise. And if you can continue to be understood um, and and that's that's actually why we created Element Mentoring Academy to sort of like help professionals in this area to be able to sort of develop skills outside of the technical skills but more that that sort of like softer soft communication style um and uh it's really interesting to hear somebody actually coming from you know the industry having had that experience also reflecting that yeah i think it is really important and i think it, it's it's i think it comes as you mature as well um because you know when we all start off in our careers i suppose we're, we're keen to kind of progress get stuff done but i think as you get older and, and you, you, you see how companies work, that soft skill, that relationship building um, becomes even more critical um, because you know, you've got to interact with, with different groups um, and particularly with bigger companies, you know what I mean? They often have fairly well delineated um, organizations. You know, we, we all kind of work or used to work in these matrix organizations where you need that ability to kind of influence other organizations that aren't under your direct control um, and especially in areas of, we'd say, R&D, regulatory quality, where NPIs or new products are coming along, you know, those handoffs from R&D, say, to quality, to manufacturing, to regulatory are really, really important. And um, it's both the technical and also the soft skill that's really, really important as well. Mm -hmm. And you make a really interesting point that I was, I was talking about RAPS Convergence yesterday, and this came up. Um, networking is critical, right, in your career. Yeah. Is something absolutely. that you absolutely needs to be doing, but also 
the worst time to start building a network is when you need a network, right? I so. would agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's like the worst time to look for a job is when you don't have one. Right. The best time is when you have a job. So I think uh, I'd, I'd fully agree with that. And I think, you know, like I, I have a similar philosophy on, on business. And I think like business to me is all about relationships. Hmm. Um, and then it's what you do with those relationships, how you exchange energy, your time, etc. Um, but I think business for me, front and fore is, is all about relationships. I think it's really important. 100%, 100%. And also some of the best business deals and decisions, um, they don't get made around, you know, in a meeting, they get made outside of the meeting room, right? Um, they do. I, I, <laughs> there's, a, there's a famous story, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, where uh, when Covidium was sold to uh, Medtronic, that happened over um, a dinner. Yeah, that I was would be surprised. $48 billion, um, price tag after so kind of <laughs> expensive dinner one expensive dinner um so okay so let's go back to that day then um yeah your wedding anniversary wow i mean that was really tough day especially tough tough day yeah it was and uh yeah look at i came home and you know my wife is extremely supportive and uh what she said at the time is look at it, it gives you an opportunity now to kind of explore areas that you're passionate about and uh, so, so my first reaction was, okay, I'll retire. So that's, and uh, that, that wasn't very well received or encouraged, but I actually took the time to take six months out. So um, as I said earlier, I'm passionate about sport and I, I, I got involved with the, with the ladies uh, sports team. Um, I ended up coaching them. So, so I kind of somewhat distracted myself, but I also followed something that I was really passionate about. Um, and I, I did that for a period of about three months and then I, I, I started to develop a little bit of a niche to kind of get something else done. And I suppose the choices were go back into industry or scratch a niche that I've had for a long time, which is to kind of set up my own business. Um, so I did a lot of research around it. Um, and then eventually I was fortunate enough to kind of get a, um, a consulting role in Germany with um, an ex-colleague of mine. So that's, again, based on a previous relationship and a network. So, And so... How valuable was it for you to actually take that time out before jumping into something else? Yeah, I think it was, it was hugely valuable because, you know, I was probably highly stressed at the time, but didn't really realize it. So it gave me a chance to kind of decompress. Um, and look, at it, it also um, helped me understand the support structures around me as well, because I think, you know, in terms of resilience, I think one of the key things is, is your... I compare resilience to a tree. So it's kind of how, how deep are the roots? How wide do they spread out? Yeah. And, and those roots are really kind of that support structure, whether it's family, whether it's uh, your friends, your network, you know what I mean? How, how strong a group do you have around you to kind of prop you up when you, when you need to be able to rebound? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, so, and so, so, so you were looking at different options, you said, right? And you sort of uh, looked at, in going back into another full-time role or, or scratching this itch of maybe starting your own business. Yeah. So we through that decision-making process. So it was, it was literally two sheets. Uh, what's important to me, what's not put red ticks in for um, negatives, green for positives. And I came at it kind of very scientifically first, and then I kind of scrapped that idea and, and I kind of went in and, and try to connect with myself emotionally and just see, you know, I really had nothing to lose by attempting to kind of set up my own company because I, I always had the choice of going back into industry again. Whereas if I went back into industry straight away, then, you know, you can't really back out of it. You know what I mean? So I said, look, at, 
I, I talked to a number of people. I reached out to my network. Um, one individual was, was very, very supportive, a guy called Coleman Collins. He runs a recruiting business in, in, uh, in Galway called Collins McNicholas. Um, so I talked him through what I was thinking and uh, bounced some ideas off, off, um, off him. And he said to me, uh, don't do it. <laughs> he says, you're far better off going back into industry. And he actually rang me about two weeks later and said, I, I regret what I said to you. He said, I think you've got the drive. You've got youth on your side. He says, but you're heading for a lot of hard work. Um, you probably think that you're going into something that'll be slow growing and predictable. He said, you're, you're heading in for a roller coaster. And as long as you accept that, understand that, then I think you'd be very successful. So I, I thought that was a great touch, but again, a network as well. So, so talk about, talk to me a little bit about sort of expectations versus reality, because I, this is something that I talk to a lot of people about when there are a lot of people out there thinking, should I start my own company? You yeah. know, should I, uh, should I just become a freelancer? Um, I'm getting contacted every day by recruiters. And so maybe yeah. it's a great time to do it, you know, what was your experience yeah. so my so my experience was 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 uh, uh kind of funny and tough at the same time i suppose my expectation at the start was um people are going to just throw work at me uh, my phone will not start ringing i'm going to have ex-colleagues contacting me um i'm going to have such an amount of business through my network none of which materialized um what did materialize is um is is a, a lady in the us who'd moved to germany gave me a small opportunity with a, with a client called Pulsion just outside of Munich. Mm. Um, that involved me getting up every single Monday morning at four o'clock a.m., uh, driving to Dublin airport, uh, flying over to Germany, spending my week in Germany, flying back on a Friday evening um, at 7 p.m. and then coming home at around uh, 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I repeated that for, say, three months on that contract. So a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, so that was the start of my, say, individual kind of consulting career. So, um, and then while I was there, that, that, that client actually had a lot of other plans in Germany um, and they were actually on a consent decree. So I was asked to come in and, and lead that remediation effort. And it's at that point then that we, we formed Trinzo. So Trinzo was kind of, was born in Germany rather than Ireland. So, it was, so. so you spoke about sort of like waking up at 4 a.m., driving to the airport, you know, um, doing that for three months. So yeah. I can imagine, right, there'd be days where that's tough, you know, to get yeah. out of bed. Like, what what was it that was, like, driving you to keep going? Yeah, I suppose, like, it, it, it comes back to, like, for me, it comes back to kind of, I suppose, my upbringing. My dad was, was a stonemason or a builder, and I watched him get up every single morning, work really hard with his hands, come home tired, and... I think that that drive I got from probably both my parents. Um, and I think I think it's just something that's kind of in you rather than can be taught. Now, that, that's bad news for a lot of people. But I think that innate drive is something that's kind of nurtured from probably a younger age. Um, but really, for me, it was it was kind of all about kind of desire and belief. You know what I mean? I really wanted to kind of prove that I could build a company. I wanted to prove that it, it could be successful. So I, I kind of backed myself and kind of energized myself. Um, and then when we took on the larger project, I, I did that for a further um, 18 months. So again, it was it was up at uh, 4 a.m. On a, on a Monday and back late on a Friday for a further 17, 18 months after that as well. Wow. Yeah. 
I bet your wife took some some convincing to agree to that one. She, she did, but um, you know, I was trying to be kind to myself and said maybe I'll go on a Sunday and I'll be able to relax. She said, no, you won't. You'll, you'll get up on a Monday and go out. And uh, yeah, because we we've a, a daughter who was probably eight or nine at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it, it was trying to get that balance between, say, the the family life and and the work life as well, and and try and get that balance. So at that time, it was completely unbalanced. Mm-hmm. When you when you go back to that to that moment where you're sort of looking at your different options and you're navigating this uncertainty, um, what advice would you give to anybody that's facing that right now? Yeah. Well, I think it is all about kind of for me. It's, it was about priorities. So, what what am I? What what are my priorities in life? And you know, you know, when you work with the multinationals, I was traveling anyway. Um, and and I think I would advise people to kind of take a longer look at this than just just short term, because often what happens is um, the the start is always really really tough. You always expect it to be a lot softer than it is, but it can be really really tough. So, what I advise people to do is kind of list out your priorities um what you want out of it and then if, if you're comparing decisions is put them side by side rank them score them um and then check in with yourself and see you know is this really really what i want um is this something that i'm passionate about because you know what i'd say is you, you know you've heard this many times as well when when you're passionate about doing the work that you do it's not a job mm-hmm. you know it, it's something that, that that's a passion so if it's possible and we don't all have that opportunity i would say you know follow your passion you know I mean and then you know then work becomes a lot lot easier so it does mm-hmm. so so when did this idea of sort of like resilience become sort of a topic or a theme for you personally I know that obviously we're talking about a, a, a moment in time where you had to be resilient yeah. but the conversation that we've had you seem to be much more connected to that as a concept yeah and I suppose it, it comes back to kind of sport you know what I mean I've had we'd say a, a lot of different um, challenges in terms of sport. I, I tore my cruciate ligament in my right knee. I had to come back and uh, recover from that. And I went on to win kind of an Irish championship after that. Um, and I suppose even within Trinzo, we, we went through a period where, you know, we were loss making for six, tw- six to nine months um, early in our, in our, our development. Um, and, and, when we set up the company, I think one of the key things that we did was that we we picked our values and built the company around those values. And one of those key values is, is a value we call holding our nerve, um, which really is all about resilience. Um, and, you know, people say to me, like, what, what is resilience? And I, it is kind of a fancier word than persistence. But for me, resilience is about that bounce back. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they get knocked down, stay down. Um, for me, resilience is kind of, it's kind of when you get knocked down, have you that ability to kind of bounce back? Um, can you, you know, people uh, compare to kind of falling off a horse to get back on the horse again, you know? So I've just been fascinated by it because um, some of the key mentors in my life have gone through similar struggles. Um, and I think they've, they've benefited so much in their lives by that, that having that resilience and that bounce back capability. So. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about Trinzo then, because that sounds really exciting. So, yeah. you know, you've obviously started this company, you freelance a little bit, and then you've sort of said, I want to build something and I want to build, which, which are two really different things, by the way, right? When you're actually, they are, yeah. You're actually, so what made you say, actually, I want to build a company, I want to build a consulting company? 
Yeah, I suppose it was, you know, we, we, we were lucky enough in that at the start, um, we, we won a kind of a large project at the very beginning of our, of, of the forming of the company. Um, and I suppose like what I'm really passionate about is kind of is, is developing people. So um, I love that challenge of taking, say, young teams, whether it's in sport or it's in business, kind of teaching them, mentoring them um, and really going out there and seeing as, you know, as a group, um, if you put the right frameworks around, if you support a team, if you nurture them, if you bring in great mentors and expertise, you know, how far can you bring a company or what kind of journey can you go on? Um, so for me, while I enjoy the consulting, I, I really am passionate about building things. Um, and I think, you know, as you know, from your own experience, Elena, that, that it's, 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 it's the reward you get out of seeing those little wins the, you know, the bounce back in the teams. Um, and really what we're passionate about is kind of like, we, we get to kind of work in an environment where we're, we're helping companies um, serve their patients. So we work with some of the most interesting companies that have really novel devices that are going to make a huge impact on, on patients' lives. Uh, we're lucky that we can kind of go in there, kind of help those clients. Um, you know, you get a financial award out of it as well, but you also get a, you know, an emotional award by, by going through that journey as well. Mm. It's really interesting. And, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this because I think it's, it's, it's really important to understand the impact of what you do. Because that's ultimately the thing. Everybody wants to feel that they have an impact and being able to make that connection. And even when you're consulting um, and you're not working for a manufacturer, um, you know, in, in-house, you can still directly have that impact. And you also, it's sort of like recruitment, I think, consulting, right? In, in the sense where like you have this broad tapestry. I, I feel that I have like a really broad tapestry across the industry because I talk to so many different companies, so many different people. And sometimes when you work for one company, you're almost blinkered. You sort of only see what's going on there. Whereas when you sort of work more consultancy side, you, you oversee, like you can you can see the, the really big picture of all the movers and shakers and what's going on in the industry, which is also really interesting. Yeah, it is. And, you know, look, as we, we um, as part of our process, when we, you know, when we look at some of the projects that we work on, we always list actually the, um, the device and how it benefits patients. So when we're working with clients, it, it could be somebody who's making hips or knees, or it could be very, very unique products. Uh, but we, we will put the patient impact on our, on our check sheets as well. Okay. So that as a team, we're kind of focused on, on that sense of purpose as well. Mm, it's really important. Yeah, that's really, yeah. really interesting. Um, so, so what's next? So you hired Medev. What's going? Yeah, I think what, what we're what we're we're uh, doing at the moment is kind of just integrating that team into I suppose into Trinzo. Um, so we're we're very deliberate about our culture. I think culture is is really really important to us. Um, so you know that team is kind of at the moment we're kind of integrating them. Um, and what we're doing is we're, we're looking at synergies between both sets of clients because, you know, one of the attractions in the acquisition was the fact that we shared very few clients. Um, so now we have offerings and solutions that we can provide to the, the MedDev um, client base and equally the MedDev um, team can provide solutions to our client base as well. Mm-hmm. So probably over the next, say, two to three to four months, we're, we're going to be focused on that integration, make sure that goes really well. Um, and then we're, we're developing what we call centers of excellence. So we are developing key leadership functions in around quality, regulatory training and project management 
And probably the one that we're going to be most focused on is on the training side as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we see, you know, a huge need for, for talent and developing talent within the industry. You know, you probably see it as well that it's, you know, the demand is, is incredible at the moment. Um, you know, and if you can't find talent, my, my father-in-law used to say to me, um, buy land. And I'd say to him, why would you buy land? And he said to me, because they stopped making it. So it's kind of, it, it's a good thing to buy. I think equally with, with talent in this industry, companies are going to have to find a way to make talent. Um, and we want to be part of that solution where we can provide the, the training and the mentorship to, to clients as well. So I think that's, that's a key area that we're going to be focused on. Really interesting. And sort of more longer term, global domination? Yeah, look, we'll, we'll take it one step at a time, you know what I mean? Like, like we would, I suppose our vision going forward would be to be that partner of choice for the, for the medtech industry. Um, now, we haven't set any deliberate target around that, but, you know, you know that's a 10-year, 20-year journey to, um, to get there. But I think, yeah, we, we want to be that, that partner of choice. So it's kind of... Yeah, it's good to, to say that and to have it and to say that bold statement, right? Because yeah. And that's your, that's your BHAG, you know, your... Yeah, and look at... Very audacious goal. <laughs> it is, and look at, we, we've, we've a great team around us. You know, we've, uh, we've a business coach by the name of uh, Paul O'Kelly that helps us. We've a really good leadership team in the background, a gentleman by the name of Peter Walsh, who's ex-global uh, head of Ops for Medtronic. So we, we've a very good support structure. Um, and then we do follow management gurus like um, Jim Collins. So we're... we're uh, um, and then you mentioned BHAG, that's uh, Shannon Cisco has a, has a metronome book out. So uh, we're very, very well structured and, and topics like your one HAG, your three HAG, your BHAG, uh, we're very professional and well organized in that area. I think that's really important as well when you do have, when you, when you decide, okay, you know, like I want to set up a company, you know, rather than sort of like just consult, actually taking time out to actually like focus on the strategy rather yeah. than like, it's very easy to be sucked into the daily operations and you have to I find that you have to sort of step back and say okay like where am I going <clears throat> what are these goals what are these key masters and actually strategize and it seems really obvious but it's it's actually really hard to do when you're a growing company it is and look at we we are very very structured so we have a morning meeting every single morning we're working fully remote with the with the pandemic we've moved all our offerings online when the pandemic came in we 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 pivoted very quickly so we have software and technology that allows us to run kind of remote workshops flawlessly um but we're we're very well organized in terms of say monthly meetings quarterly meetings annual planning meetings um i think they are very very important and i think yeah, for anybody trying to get in to set up their own company, you, you know, one of the challenges, and I think this will probably resonate with you as well, Elena, is that it's very, very difficult to work in the business and on the business at yeah. the same time. And I think um, it, it's something that struck a chord of me is a, a, a lot of individuals try and build a company, but they're billing in with clients or they're using a lot of that time. Um, it then becomes really, really difficult then to kind of manage the growth um so i think it's very important that you take sufficient time out to kind of grow the business get the strategies defined and then put in flawless execution in terms of of, of what you need to do uh that takes a lot of time and energy so well it sounds it sounds like you have the the grit the determination the resilience to be able to get there so one 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 big sort of final question that i have for you liam is the one that i like to ask everybody at the at the end of the of the podcast which is what is the legacy that you want to leave on the world 
Yeah, and I suppose, look at um, the legacy I'd like to to leave in the world really would be around um, the fact that I, I'm a people developer. So, you know, I, I would like, you know, um, to be known for um, if people interacted with me, that they've they have a positive thought. Uh, but in somehow I've kind of helped enhance their lives. So um, I think we do that really well in the business. And I think in my sporting career, I manage a lot of, you know, youth teams, uh, bigger teams. Um, so I, I'd like to be known as someone that kind of helps develop people and really helps them reach their full potential. Um, that could be in business or in sport. So that's kind of what I'm really passionate about. And that passion definitely shines through, Liam. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to hear Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And thank you for taking the time. Where can people find you? Yeah, look at trinzo.com or if they come to the rainy west of Ireland, um, we're located in Galway City. It's a, Galway's a fantastic city, um, a real hub of medical device companies as well. So you've got the likes of um, Medtronic, Boston Scientific, Merit Medical, um, all the big medical device players are here and that's who we, we get a lot of our talent from from there as well so uh, but uh, you can also follow us on LinkedIn um, we're always looking for more followers as well <laughs> so thank you thank you Liam once again and to all of you listening to this episode give it a like give it a thumbs up write your comments below get in touch with me get in touch with Liam if you have any further questions and I will see you soon on another episode on Career Diaries by Elamed take care thank you thank you Elena.